This is a Vault Studios production. I'm Reed Redmond. I'm Spencer Brudig. I'm Will Johnson. This show contains graphic material and is meant for mature audiences. This week on True Crime Chronicles. A woman from Dallas is trying to cope with a sudden loss that no one should feel. Her husband was murdered on their morning walk and she had to watch it happen. She was fine after the shooting in terms of her, her physical health. Obviously, a very tense and uh, just, uh, she watched her husband get killed right in front of her. Homicides are horrible. It's one of the worst crimes that you can commit. And what it does to the family, um, you really just have no idea how it just tears a family up. It's a warm fall morning in Dallas, Friday, October 9th, 2020. As a home security camera captures video of the city's Oak Park neighborhood slowly coming to life. The sun is up, a few kids' toys are left out in some front yards, and a couple cars are rolling by, drivers likely on their way to work. It looks like any other morning, but at 7.34 a.m., the audio tells a different story. My name is Alex Rozier. I'm a reporter with WFAA in, in Dallas, Texas. Alex Rozier has been reporting on the story of James, or Jamie Faith, and his wife, Jennifer Faith. Both in their 40s, the couple was living in Dallas with their daughter this past fall, the fall of 2020. Jamie and Jennifer Faith seem to have a perfect marriage. I mean, they, they lived in Phoenix for a long time, and then about three years ago, moved to Dallas. Jamie's an IT director for American Airlines, and when U.S. Airways and American Airlines merged, he took a new opportunity here in Dallas, where uh, the DFW area where American Airlines is based. Although Jamie and Jennifer had only been in Dallas for a few years, they'd quickly gotten used to life in their new city, and they liked it there. About three years ago, they bought a house in, in the Oak Cliff neighborhood. They said it was right around the time of their anniversary, and uh, they said they loved their life here. Uh, Jennifer said they loved their life here, had a great community, great friends, and Dallas was really seeming to become home for them. But yeah, we've really, we built a community here. We love the Oak Cliff area. I love the community here. Um, we've gotten very involved with our neighbors and built built a life here. Seemed like everything was great and seemed to have a life that they were very proud of. And then came October 9th, which changed everything. It was the day after their 15th wedding anniversary. A Friday, and like many of us amid the pandemic, Jamie had been working from home. He and Jennifer had been spending a lot of time together, but Jennifer would tell Alex Rozier they'd been making the best of it, that their marriage had never been better. They'd even go out on a morning walk with their dog every single day, and this Friday morning was no exception. Jennifer told me it was about 7.30 that they go out on a walk, and this was standard. They go, they go out for a walk every morning. She, she valued that time. She said it was their time that they could spend together. He would start his work day shortly thereafter. So they would go out for a walk and, and have that time with each other. And uh, that's what they did on October 9th. It was a normal day. We walked the dog every day at the same morning. We got up, we 
did our normal good morning thing and you know we 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 like that time together because our daughter's been staying with us since covid hit and so it was, it's our quiet time before she gets up and we just talk in the mornings and so and then we got the dog ready and walked out the door like we always do and they left their oak cliff home and it wasn't uh, about 15 feet when everything went wrong Dallas police say the couple was approached by a man in a mask on Waverly. Out of nowhere, she says she just started hearing shooting. And I heard running behind me, and I turned around, and then just shooting just started. He, Jamie just, Jamie wasn't doing anything. He actually he saw the guy and started walking backwards like this with his hands out to his side. And the guy just kept shooting and shooting. Nine gunshots rang out in the quiet neighborhood. Seven struck Jamie before the masked gunman turned his attention toward Jennifer. And then he turned around and I yelled no because I knew he was coming after me. And a neighbor said that they saw him attempt to shoot me, but the gun was empty. I was running up this driveway and uh, he tackled me and started beating on me and taped my hands together. Police say the suspect tried duct taping the woman's hands together to steal the jewelry off her fingers. And they say he may have been trying to abduct her. Had a mask on. She believed he was a Latin male, heavy set. Um, he ran off when she screamed for help. She survived. Jamie did not. He was pronounced dead at the scene. A woman from Dallas is trying to cope with a sudden loss that no one should feel. Her husband was murdered on their morning walk, and she had to watch it happen. She was fine after the shooting in terms of her, her physical health. Obviously, a very tense, and uh, just uh, she watched her husband get killed right in front of her. Homicides are horrible. It's one of the worst crimes that you can commit, and what it does to the family um, you really just have no idea how it just tears a family up. As Jamie's family is beginning to mourn, nobody's quite able to make sense of what happened or why, at least not at first. It was incredibly concerning because this just doesn't happen. And as police were telling it to us the day of the murder, this is a couple that went out for a walk with their dog in the morning and the husband didn't make it home alive. He was shot and killed while walking his dog in Dallas. As you can imagine, Oak Cliff and the neighborhood was stunned. Uh, neighbors were on edge. Several people in the community were on edge. And the suspect, police said, attempted to try and steal her jewelry. Uh, her rings was not successful in doing that. Although the attacker did try to take some jewelry, investigators would quickly say it appeared there was more to this story, that this wasn't just a robbery gone wrong. Typically, that's not how robberies occur. Typically, they just want your property. Um, no one goes to that extreme. But who would go to that extreme? Who in this couple's life would have done something like this? Who was behind that mask? Jennifer didn't have much of a suspect description. The neighbors, and, and thankfully in 2020, you've got ring cameras, and a ring camera captured a, a truck with a Texas Ranger sticker in the back, and that proved to be critical with the police investigation. They captured this truck leaving the neighborhood after the shooting. They weren't able to capture anything or anyone committing the crime, but they did have this image of this truck that they believed to be involved with the murder of Jamie Faith. 
Tiffany Liu, another reporter at WFAA, would be in touch with Jennifer just days after the attack. His wife is devastated. She tells me he was her best friend. He was the best husband and best father anyone could ask for. When Jennifer reached out to us in October, she was simply saying that Jamie was her best friend. She called him the best husband and father anyone could ask for. She sent us several photos of their family together and and, and really told us about a, a family that was living their dream here in Dallas. He had a great job and they were raising the daughter together and it, it seemed like everything was going right. In the days after the shooting, the Dallas community came together to help this mother whose life had been turned upside down in the blink of an eye. Here's a widow, 48 years old, raising a daughter now by herself. The, the husband shot and killed. The community rallied. They started a GoFundMe page, that GoFundMe page to support Jennifer as she started to navigate this life without her husband. At the time, there still had been no arrests and, and the community was devastated for her. People donating thousands to help her out, more than $60,000 that GoFundMe raised at the end of it. In December of 2020, the case is still unsolved. And Alex Rozier decides to reach out to Jennifer Faith. It had been about two months since the shooting. We had never heard from Jennifer Faith on camera. And I always, as a reporter, kind of keep track of uh, incidents and, and stories that require a follow-up. And this was one that I thought did for a number of reasons. A, at the time, they had not made any arrests. So I really wanted to hear from this wife who I knew was going to make a plea to the community for an arrest. Um, it had been nearly two months. She had no closure at all. And so I wanted to reach out to her and see if she wanted to say anything to the community to possibly help with this investigation. And she agreed. She wanted to talk and, and, and we set up a time and I went to her home and we had a conversation for about 45 minutes about the latest on the investigation and uh, where things were at. Before getting into the specifics of the investigation, Alex asked Jennifer to talk about her husband, the Jamie that everyone in their life knew. Amazingly caring, very kind. Um, he would give you the shirt off his back. He went out of his way to help people. Um, he was this amazing leader, but on top of that, oh my gosh, such a great husband, great father. Um, he actually adopted my daughter. Um, she was mine from a previous relationship, and you would just never know that they weren't father and daughter. Most people would never expect it. Um, so yeah, just this wonderful, warm, loving person. At the time of this interview, it's been nearly two months since Jennifer has last seen Jamie, since she's woken up next to him. And since they've gone on one of those morning walks, she says they went on every day during the pandemic. And thinking back on those memories, Jennifer says her husband's killer took everything from her that morning. Everything, everything. My partner, my best friend. She was emotional throughout the conversation, uh, heartbroken as this investigation had not been solved yet. She was worried that the case was gonna go cold because Dallas has had such a high crime rate over the past 12 months and that there wouldn't be an arrest made in a case because detectives just have so much on their hands. We just really need some answers. Um, 
just there, there just isn't there, there isn't a whole lot that of information that we're getting, and um, just for closure, just if somebody knows anybody who you know either matches the description, it was a either a dark Hispanic or, or a light skinned black male, um, short stature, about five eight, heavy set, um, very dark eyes. Um, you know, and then the truck, the Nissan Titan, if it, with the Texas Ranger sticker in the back. If anybody knows anything, please contact the detective. And that's Detective Walton. As Alex and Jennifer are having this emotional conversation, they're actually outside, standing on the sidewalk right where the shooting happened. You think about it, and you, you, you look at the home, and it's 15 feet from her front door. Every time Jennifer Faith left her Oak Cliff home, she was reminded of her husband's death because where he died was right outside their door. So when I asked to speak at her home and we're speaking outside, we're ultimately speaking at the site where her husband was killed. And um, that way, she was able to verbally and visually kind of depict how how this played out. We're actually standing where everything took place. I. I heard running behind me and I turned around to see what was going on and the next thing, I don't want to give away too many details to justify, to, to jeopardize the case, but um, next thing I knew he was shooting at Jamie and, um, and then turned around and came after me and tackled me and we know that property was taken from Jamie and he tried to take property from me as well. And I think the neighbors all of the neighbors at that point heard all of the gunshots and, and came out. And one neighbor had even witnessed part of what had happened and uh, came out. And I think it spooked him. And that's what, that's what made him leave. Replaying that morning in her mind, Jennifer says she still doesn't know why it was her husband and not her that was killed. She didn't know why she survived this attack. I asked who could have possibly done this. And she, she paused and said, I... I I don't really know. I had asked her at one point off camera, I said, is there anyone, I mean, anyone that you think could have done this? And, and she paused for a bit, but said, we don't really have any enemies. Although she says she's still holding out hope for a break in the case. After two months, according to Jennifer, the flow of information from investigators has slowed down. And she's really not hearing much from them anymore. I was getting pretty good communication from the detectives early on. I mean, really in helping them try to figure out, you know, was this random? What might the motive have been? Is there anybody that maybe would have caused it to be, you know, where Jamie was targeted with this crime? And we just really couldn't come up with anything. I mean, there are some things that um, definitely were being pursued, but... Um, Lately, I think, honestly, I think it's just gone cold and there's no information he can give me. And so I'm really not getting any communication. I, it would be nice to have something just to know that something's still being looked at and being done, but I'm not. I, and I know they're very busy. The crime rate in Dallas is horrible right now, and I'm sure they're overextended and spread very thin. But it doesn't it doesn't help me in terms of finding the answers that I really need. But the thing Jennifer keeps coming back to the clue she says she thinks could lead investigators to her husband's killer is that truck. And perhaps more importantly, the Texas Rangers team logo, that big T on the back window. Truck is absolutely critical. Somebody has got to know 
whose truck this is because it was a it's a black Nissan Titan extended cab. It had a, um, a Texas Ranger sticker in the back window, and so it's it was very distinctive from that point. Um, I don't want to give away too many other details, but if somebody knows somebody who has that truck, there's there's got to be somebody who knows somebody who has that truck. And even if the sticker's not there anymore, somebody who knows someone who used to have a sticker in their back window, I mean, if somebody could just come forward with that information alone, it would be so helpful. You know, when I do, I cover crime. So a lot of times when I'll talk to the families of victims, I often ask them, you know, what is your message to the killer, somebody who's at large, and in this case, that that killer was still at large. And Jennifer, emotional, told me she, she hopes that at some point that person realizes the gravity of what they've done and, and will then find the courage to come forward. I just, I'm not supposed to be widowed at 48, you know? My my daughter's father, the only father she's ever known, was, was they were two peas in a pod. He used to call her his partner in crime. I just hope that at some point, maybe this person can recognize the gravity of what they've done and feel some sort of guilt enough to come forward. Because this, like I said, I feel like I'm going through the motions every day. And uh, ultimately. That killer didn't come forward, but uh, police were able to figure out uh, who they believe committed the crime. Jennifer's suspicions that the case was going to go cold would be proven wrong. When the investigation takes a surprising turn, a little over a month after this interview. Jennifer Faith sobbed in an interview with us last month. I just, I'm not supposed to be widowed at 48, you know? She spoke to us as a widow, begging for her husband's killer to turn themselves in. But after an arrest in Tennessee, his murder investigation is taking an unexpected turn. Investigators now say that masked man was Darren Lopez from Tennessee. Who is he? According to this murder warrant, Lopez is Faith's ex-boyfriend from high school and college. So the crime happened in October. I talked to Jennifer in December, and in January, they arrested her ex-boyfriend, Darren Lopez, at his home in Tennessee. Keep in mind, Jennifer looked at me and told me she has no idea who could have killed her husband. And the man that police arrested in January was her ex-boyfriend, and court documents revealed that she had texted and called Darren Lopez in Tennessee, the suspected killer, and more than 14,000 times the month of the murder. I'm going to leave it to police and investigators to figure out her possible involvement, but she had more than 14,000 calls and texts with the suspected killer the month of the murder. That is a lot of communication. And it wasn't just a lot of communication. Court documents show that Darren Lopez and Jennifer Faith were in contact by phone throughout the actual day of the attack, before and after Jamie was shot to death. In court documents, it came out that police believe he drove from Tennessee to Texas and outside the DFW area, turned off his cell phone, committed the crime, they believe, and then drove back to Tennessee. At some point outside of the Texas region, he turned his phone back on and their communication continued. 
And we don't just know that they were communicating. Investigators have also revealed what they were actually communicating about. At points, their communication was incredibly interesting, considering what they were talking about, specifically uh, regarding a question that I had asked her about the suspect's truck. The day after that interview, court documents say that she texted the suspected killer, Darren Lopez, her ex-boyfriend, and said, I woke up in a bit of a panic. I really think that you need to take that sticker off your truck. That was December 3rd. December 4th, the next day, she texted him again and said, you need to take that sticker off ASAP. What Jennifer and Darren likely didn't realize was that all these messages could soon end up in the hands of police, who, it turns out, we're already starting to investigate Lopez. Police were looking at text messages, and obviously there are thousands of them, thousands of calls between Darren Lopez and Jennifer Faith. And at some point, they just believe that he is the suspect here. So they they worked with law enforcement in Tennessee, and they flew over his home. And when they flew over his home in Tennessee, there was a black Nissan Titan truck with a Texas Rangers T sticker on the back. So police were able to then uh, connect the dots and uh, make the arrest of Darren Lopez. By the time Lopez was actually arrested, this decal had been removed from the back of his truck. But investigators say when they looked at the window up close, they could see an outline where a decal used to be. And that wasn't the only new potential piece of evidence they'd found. The sticker was no longer there, uh, but police have several pictures, video of Lopez making the drive from Tennessee to Texas. They also recovered what they believe is the murder weapon that he used when he shot and killed Jamie Faith. ATF agents have confirmed that a 45 caliber handgun found at the home was the weapon used in the killing of Jamie Faith. And they say it was found in a bag that contained two DVDs and an unopened can of Red Bull energy drink, which they believe to be the same DVDs and Red Bull Lopez purchased at a gas station in Arkansas on the way to Dallas on the day of the murder. Also found at the home was a new TV in a box that had been mailed by Jennifer Faith, whose connection to Lopez, court documents say, goes much deeper than two exes who happen to keep in touch. And text messages between the two of them prior to the murder, it came out that Jennifer and Darren were in what they described as a full-blown emotional affair. They had dated in the past, uh, were not together, but according to Darren, uh, in in text messages that came out in court documents, he said that they had a five-year plan on how the two of them could be together. Ultimately, it appears that Jennifer Faith and and Darren Lopez were in love and they were going to do whatever it takes to be together. And apparently, whatever it takes, police think, is killing Jamie Faith. And that's what happened in early October. When Darren Lopez was arrested, Jennifer wasn't facing any charges. Is Jennifer innocent? Yes, she's innocent. I spoke with her attorney, Toby Shook. No, I can't really comment on the uh, evidence or what was in a warrant. Uh, I don't want to get any details at this time. Jennifer was devastated by the murder of her husband. Uh, She has cooperated with the police the past three months, met with them on numerous occasions and answered all their questions. Dallas police would not confirm if Jennifer's a suspect, 
They tell me they are still processing evidence. On February 24th, 2021, Jennifer Faith was also taken into custody, though not charged with murder. Police arrested Jamie Faith's wife this afternoon, and minutes ago we received brand new booking video of when she arrived at the Dallas County Jail. I want to show you that right now. Jennifer Faith is facing a federal charge for obstruction of justice relating to her husband's murder. This just the latest development after the death of Jamie Faith. Jennifer Faith faces a federal obstruction of justice charge. She's now in jail in Texas. As the U.S. Attorney's Office talked about her arrest, they described this woman who portrayed herself as a grieving widow and uh, really urged the community uh, to help this investigation, desperate for answers. And then they believe she obstructed justice in part because of what she told me on TV, on WFAA, regarding the suspect's truck. Looking back at that December 2nd interview, Alex Rozier sees a different person than the one described in court documents. I was stunned to read the court documents. When I talked to Jennifer Faith, I was heartbroken. I I was heartbroken for her. This is a woman who seemed to be living a great life in Texas with her husband, and then he was suddenly shot and killed, as if this year wasn't hard enough. We're in a pandemic. And then he shot and killed outside their front door. Police weren't saying anything, which isn't too new for Dallas police. They they keep their cards pretty close to their chest. But for several months, all that we knew and all that we believed was that here's a widow, heartbroken, because her husband was shot and killed while they walked their dog together in South Dallas. Alex has been a reporter for about 15 years, and he says this has easily been one of the most shocking stories he's ever covered in his career. Covering crime in Dallas, there's a lot of news that happens. It's obviously one of the major markets in America, and there's things that happen every day. When when I heard news that a man was shot and killed walking his dog, it was devastating. Among many devastating crimes that happened throughout the course of 2020. But it's how this story developed afterward that has made it just mind-blowing. It's stunning to me if what police say is true, that she was able to look me in the eye and say what she said. And then the next day, it's hard to wrap my mind around that she went on TV with me and, and played this grieving widow and innocent till proven guilty. But if what police say is true, who she was on TV and who police say she is are two very different people. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Darren Lopez is now awaiting trial for capital murder. Jennifer Faith is awaiting trial on her federal obstruction charge. And by the sound of it, there could be more to come. A source in the U.S. Attorney's Office told me that there is more to this story And I've heard from multiple sources that uh, the investigation continues here and that they are not ruling out more charges. Not to be lost in all the twists and turns of this case is the real impact of what happened, the loss of 48-year-old Jamie Faith and all the pain that stemmed from it. It's a a crazy crime story, but uh, there are a lot of victims here and, and they extend well beyond... Uh, Jamie Faith. There's uh, a daughter who's now going to be navigating life without parents. There's 
Jennifer's family, there's Jamie's family. Uh, so Darren Lopez's family. I mean, so many innocent people who were not involved in any of this that will be uh, dealing with uh, what happened for the rest of their life. So as crazy and as compelling as this story is, it's it's sad too when you think about the, the ripple effect of, of how many people will be forever impacted by what happened in early October in Dallas. For True Crime Chronicles, I'm Will Johnson. I'm here with Spencer Brudig and Reed Redman, as always. Reed, I, I have to say I didn't know anything about this case, and I was listening through to it. And it is truly shocking when you hear that interview and then you reveal that she was exchanging text and maybe somehow involved. There's obviously obstruction charges, right? But it really is a shocking twist. Yeah, and for everybody in the Dallas area to be following this in real time, I'm sure many of them saw that interview and and uh, were you know, donating to this GoFundMe and uh, had a lot of emotions after watching that interview and are probably surprised by some of the more recent revelations. And it is a, a really emotional interview. And I, even like with the rain kind of in the background, it's really powerful. And I, I actually want to talk about that interview for a second because that interview with Alex Rozier actually was a part of the case that investigators built against her, right? Yeah, it appears that way, that it wasn't just sort of insightful to the public, but apparently meaningful to the criminal investigation, of course, uh, Jennifer is now facing an obstruction charge and investigators actually referenced Alex Rozier's interview with her in their probable cause affidavit when they arrested her. Reed, can you talk any more about motive? Have they revealed any thoughts about that along the way with this investigation? Yeah, so Darren is the only one facing a murder charge at this point, And I don't think they've alleged a motive, but there does appear to be you know, a potential financial aspect to all of this. There are deleted text messages in which Jennifer and Darren, uh, according to investigators, discussed Jamie's life insurance payout, which Jennifer was the beneficiary of, and that would have been worth $600,000 or more. Um, WFA's reporting also has shown that uh, there were credit reports that Darren Lopez was having financial problems, was over 100 days past due on his mortgage, and there is the the GoFundMe that we mentioned earlier that did raise over $60,000, all of which was, according to WFAA, withdrawn by Jennifer on December 3rd. Reed, the, one of the things that really stuck out in my mind about this was the just unbelievably huge volume of calls and texts between Jennifer and Darren. Uh, can you go over, like... How many were there and, and like how long were, had they been texting and calling each other for? We know they were in contact the entire month of the murder. And according to WFA, from October 9th to November 25th, there was an average of 500 calls and text messages per day between their phones. And that's according to court documents. And that all added up to uh, over 14,000 calls and text messages that month. There are some interesting quotes from those court documents where specifically talking about a sticker where Jennifer told Lopez to remove a sticker after, quote, she woke up in a little bit of a panic was one of the texts. She also texted him, quote, something is eating away at me, telling me you need to take that sticker out of the back window of the truck. It might just be me overthinking or something, but I'll feel a ton better if you take it off and clean the window really well. And then on the day of her interview with Alex at WFAA, she texted Lopez again, according to court documents, 
okay, sorry, I know you're going to think I'm crazy, but it's really nagging at me. I have a bad feeling and I really think you need to get that sticker off ASAP like today. And then it's on December 6th when he texted her and said that the sticker they were discussing was gone. So not only is it just a ton of messages and calls back and forth, but some of the quotes from these are are uh, going to be hard to explain, I imagine. Yeah, I, I agree with Spencer. I mean, the idea of like that many text messages in a day or over a period of weeks or months is mind-boggling. And then the whole video surveillance part of the story is pretty interesting, too, and the fact that they fly over his house, and he's still got the sticker on the truck that she's texted about, right, Reed? I mean, it, it, clearly she was concerned, but he was not maybe as concerned. I, I, I don't know. It's a wild story. Yeah, and I guess... Uh, potentially what we'll find out when his murder case goes to trial is, of course, if that truck is the truck, if that sticker is the sticker, and, and you mentioned the role of video surveillance, that kind of played a part every step of this way. It was video surveillance of a truck leaving the scene that kind of spurred the investigation or led the investigation along, and um, investigators were able to piece together Darren Lopez's whereabouts on the day of the shooting through security footage at all kinds of gas stations between Tennessee and Dallas. So that's how they um, say they know that he was driving from one place to another that day. And uh, it's it's going to be an interesting case when it does go to trial. All right. Thanks to Alex Rozier at WFAA in Dallas, Texas. And Reed, thanks to you for bringing us the story this week. Spencer, we can always tell people about our Facebook group where we're chatting about stories we cover here on True Crime Chronicles. Yeah, absolutely. We have a Facebook group, like you mentioned, called Inside the Crime Vault. It's got almost 6,000 like-minded true crime fans. So uh, jump in there and (laughs) so jump on in there. Uh, So we hope to see you uh, in that group as well. And we have a new podcast from Vault Studios, Beyond Bardstown, Lacombe. It's L-A-C-O-M-B-E. It is a story uh, about a case in Louisiana. You can subscribe to it today wherever you listen to podcasts. And we will be back next week with a new case, a new story.